Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Good morning. I don't want to nail a point too, uh, too hard home, but did you watch the football last night? Okay, we had enough of football this morning. Um, I love this time. Every couple of years we have the European Championships or we have the World Cup Championships. It gets me excited. There's a real sense of, of excitement and elation, but also a sense of dread and a sense of fear every time England step out on that pitch. I don't know if you're with me on that. We know, we, we expect the worst, right? I have a hope. I have excitement that we maybe we'll do well this time, that maybe, maybe England might go through to the, to the knockout stages. But then, but then I have the fear that, that kind of hits me and, and I think, no, they haven't kind of won a major championship since... What, seven years before I was born? That's like 30 years ago or so. Um, <laughs> or so, yeah. And that fear that's inside me, it makes me lower my expectation. And that's really the only way I can cope. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah, the men do. And the women, maybe you also have a fear, a fear that your relationship is now on hold for the next four weeks. <laughs> I'm talking about your relationship with the TV remote control. You've got no chance. Uh, so that's what I want to talk to you today, is about fear. Okay, fear. Um, a clever man once said that the, th- the only thing we need to fear is fear itself. That's a great statement. Fear is, is crippling. Fear holds us back. It stops us being who we're supposed to be. And we've just been singing that great song, Excellent Worship. Guys, this morning you did a brilliant job on, on, on the platform here today. That song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. We sing it on a Sunday and yet we go home on a Monday and that, and that bill comes in and we start to fear. Or we go to work and we know they start laying off people and the fear comes in or there's an issue in our family and the fear comes in. We're no longer slaves to fear. And actually, I don't want to talk about fear. I want to talk about exchanging our fear, okay? Getting rid of that fear, about removing that fear because um, that's kind of what we need to do. And there are different kinds of fear. Some fears uh, maybe you can relate to, others that you can't relate to. Maybe you're somebody who doesn't really care about football and so it doesn't doesn't fill you with excitement and it certainly doesn't fill you with that same fear that I was talking about. But from my experience and, and the experts tell us that everybody, all of us, at some point, become fearful of something in our lives. And so we're just going to look at this this morning and and look at how we might uh, exchange that fear for something else and get rid of it and not let it cripple us, not let it diminish uh, diminish our life. And when God laid this message about fear on my heart, it really wasn't what I wanted to do. Okay, I had had another direction planned, but I just couldn't get away from it. And, And when the Holy Spirit prompts me like that, I know I just have to go with it. That's the best thing. And, and so I'm like, fear God? Really? You know, I like to speak an upbeat message. I like to be positive. Um, but, but fear? And so what I'm guessing is, I'm guessing that there's some of you here today that need to hear this and that are going to be changed 
today. That's my prayer. I think the Holy Spirit is going to minister this morning uh, to each of us. And I think a lot of us will leave here different and maybe take some of that freedom that we've been singing about. Okay, so let's turn to our verse for today. Uh, We're looking at 2 Corinthians at the moment, and um, Mark brought us up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Last week, brilliantly, up to that point where he was talking about the the, uh, seat of judgment. And Paul continues the, uh, the, the line of thought, actually, in verse 11, and he says this. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope also it is plain to your conscience. So we have Paul here writing to the church in Corinth saying that he has a fear. It's a fear of God. And actually this is a good fear. And not only does he have this fear, he is keen to persuade others that they should have this same fear of God. Okay, so it's a, this is, this is one kind of fear if you like. And we're going to come back to this a little bit later in the message. Uh, the fear of God. But before we unpack it further, I want to talk about other kinds of fear, the fears that we experience in life. Well, first of all, there are irrational fears. Okay, fears, uh, being afraid of things that we really know we shouldn't be afraid of. Things that we know, actually, that shouldn't take up my time and my thoughts, but it's there anyway. And it's a, it's a kind of a learned behavior that you don't seem to be able to help yourself with. And uh, often we call these fears uh, phobias, And um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a little test right now. And now I've said the word test, some of you are beginning to fear a little bit um, because you don't like that word. Actually, at this this point, it'd be good to uh, give a big up to all the young people at the moment who are going through their various exams and stuff, their GCSEs. Can we just show them our love? All the guys, degrees and diplomas and A-levels and AS-levels and all that. Come on, guys, you can do it. Um, all right, so I'm going to give you a little test about phobias. Um, first of all, we have uh, arachnophobia, which is the fear of spiders. spiders. Bro, you're all good at this. Okay, so arachnophobia. Has anybody here got a fear of spiders? I'm not talking about, yeah, a couple. I'm not talking about those kind of actual poisonous ones they have in Australia. I'm talking about the kind of these, the little tiddly ones we get over here that don't do any much harm, but you really can't bear it. Okay, you won't like this picture then very much. Um, I'll take that off. Okay. Okay, claustrophobia is the fear of closed spaces. Excellent. Agoraphobia? Open spaces. Oh, wow, you are good at this. Okay, I've got a few kind of less common ones, uh, but these are all real. Uh, Cholrophobia? Anybody know what that is? Fear of clowns. Fear of clowns. Actually, quite a few people suffer from fear of clowns. Apparently, Johnny Depp suffers from a fear of clowns. Okay, uh, next one is omphalophobia. I wonder if any of you suffer from this. It's the fear of belly buttons. Okay, and I was about... No, I won't do, I won't do that this morning. Um, okay, we've got uh, uh, this one. This one that's dear to my heart, actually. This is probably one that uh, I suffer with. Fear, oh, sorry, fear of cheese. Okay, that's one for me. Anybody who knows me knows I really don't go for cheese very much. Very much. Many of these are irrational fears, except for the cheese one. That's perfectly rational. Um, there's real danger there. Um, but then we have other kinds of fears as well. Fears that are more prevalent, fears that are more kind of insidious, that um, 
that kind of take over. It's actually, this is fears of, a, uh, of, of dangerous situations. Okay? When you find yourself in a problem or facing an issue, uh, facing a dangerous situation, and actually, fear in this situation, you think, well, that's perfectly all right, surely. Surely, if there's, a, if there's danger involved, then I have every right to be fearful, to be afraid. Um, there was a, a, a nature program uh, a while back, uh, and it was based on uh, an island off the coast of Australia. And they were showing these penguins, uh, kind of little penguins. I think, I think they were called fairy penguins. And these penguins, they, they're, they're brilliant in the sea. They're really kind of agile. They can swim away. They're free from predators because they're so fast and uh, they don't have to fear. But their burrows are further up the beach, about 100 metres away from the seashore. And I remember watching this programme. They've got all these penguins lined up on the seashore. And they go out swimming at the beginning of the day to catch fish. And, and then they've got to bring it back to their young. And then they line up at the seashore and kind of they, they wait there. And you see they're, they're, they're fearful and they, and they start to move across the beach uh, kind of like this uh, in groups. And then suddenly they turn around and run straight back into the sea again because they think something's going to get them. And, and then they turn around and they, and they do it again. They go maybe 20 metres this time. And then one of them turns around because he's seen a shadow and they all run back again. And this goes on for a long, long time. Eventually... They do. They make it over. And I think we're like that. We, we think, oh, I'm just going to step out. I'm going to just dip my toe in the water. I'm just going to step out into, into this area. No, oh, no, 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 no. Something dangerous might happen. And we run back again. When I was, when I was 16, I was playing in a, in a band. And uh, I was playing uh, the working men's clubs of the West Midlands. Okay, that's where I grew. Yeah, really nice. Really not nice. There's some really dodgy, dodgy places. Um, and so every weekend, I'd pack up my keyboard on a B&A. We're playing in a rock and roll band, and we'd go and do a set at a, at a working men's club, the Labour Club, or, or the British Legion. And, you know, and these were real holes of places. Um, it's a living, what can I say? Um, and uh, I remember one time, actually one of the first times I was out playing, um, we, did a, we did our first set, and you know, we were playing. It's all quite happy stuff, and we were kind of going for it. And... Not a peep. They were just watching us, looking at us like this. I was thinking, oh, grief was not going down well. And I remember at the, uh, at, at the midpoint between our two sets, uh, while they were doing their bingo, which they always did, um, <laughs> uh, the most important part of their day, I think. But anyway, well, I, I went to the, to the barman. With, I was there with the singer, and I said, oh, I'm really, in my thick West Midland accent I used to have, I'm really sorry. I don't know what we're doing wrong, but they don't seem to like us. And the barman looks at me and says, no, no, they really like it. They like it. They threw glasses at the band last week. <laughs> this is absolutely true. And it's funny now, looking back, it's funny. But back then, I was like, really? <laughs> okay. And we did the whole of the second set with our coats on and our car keys in our pocket, <laughs> ready to run out the door at a moment's notice. Um, and that's the issue. When you live in fear of something, it causes you to make decisions that you wouldn't ordinarily have made. And it changes your life. It actually diminishes your options when you're living in fear. And most of us know that the Bible talks about fear a lot. There's hundreds of times um, there's references to do not fear, do not be afraid, fear not, do not worry, do not be anxious. Loads and loads and loads of times scripture tells us that. And you remember Mark's message last week when he was uh, quoting from the gospel of the movie Gladiator. And he was uh, talking about the, you know, what happens in this life 
echoes in eternity. And I was thinking, well, I want to bring a, a quote from a movie too uh, <laughs> for my message today. And, and all I could think of at first was the Johnny English one, uh, which is the tagline. It says, he knows no fear, he knows no danger, he knows nothing. Um, <laughs> and then I thought, really, that's not deep enough. That's not really where I want to go. And then I remembered another film, a great film called uh, After Earth, starring Will Smith and his son, Jaden Smith. And in this movie, they're trapped on a planet, I think it's planet Earth, but, and there's an alien on the planet and they have to fight this alien and destroy it. But this alien can't see anything, but he senses you by your fear. Because when you fear, you give off a smell. Okay? <laughs> Just smell the person next... No, don't, don't, no, we're going to go there. But if, when you smell, you give off a smell. And so, and so the only way to defeat this alien is to, to not be fearful, to not be afraid. And, and Will Smith's character in the film... He's learned to control his fear so he can fight these particular aliens. And he's trying to teach his son the same. And he makes this statement. He says, you must realise that fear is not real. It is a product of thoughts you create. Do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real. But fear is a choice. And there's some truth in that. There's some truth in that. Um, fear is a choice. And we need to remember that when we're watching England versus Wales on Thursday. <laughs> We're going to face danger. We're going to face troubles in this life. There's no getting away from that. But we do have a choice about how we respond. We can choose to allow fear to cripple us uh, emotionally. We can choose to let fear stop us making the right decisions. We can let it take hold of our minds. And we can let it interact with our everyday lives and, and get into our relationships and destroy relationships and dominate every area of our life. Fear is one of the enemy's most effective weapons that he uses against us. There's so much stuff going around us today and you only have to look at the news or pick up a newspaper and see the headlines to see that it feels like their motivation in every story is to fill us with fear. Wars and violence and crime and unemployment levels and financial um, disasters and natural disasters and terrorism and disease and death. We fear for our, for our children's futures. We fear for our families. We fear for our, our financial future. We fear for our safety. Have you noticed that kind of most of the talk about this referendum that's coming up, this blooming referendum, most of the talk is designed to instill fear into you? You've got the guys who are saying, uh, we've got to stay. Because if we don't, it will be a disaster. Okay, it'll be an economic disaster if we stay. And we've got the guys who are telling us that we should leave, saying if we, if we stay, if we don't leave, it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be an economic disaster. It's going to be an immigration disaster. And they're both sides are there trying to fill you with fear to make you choose one way or the other. I was talking to uh, Pastor Mark about this message on Thursday when we were going through the service. And he made a great statement. Um, he said, fear makes your life small. It makes your life small. I should have put that up on the, on the on thing. Fear makes your life small. It restricts you. It removes your options. And I imagine that some of you, like me, know exactly what I'm talking about. We know what it means to be fearful. The disciples knew about fear. In Mark uh, 4, in the Gospel of Mark, and also in, in the other Gospels as well, there's a um, uh, kind of a historical telling of, of Jesus and the disciples getting on a boat 
and going on the Sea of Galilee. You all know the story, I'm sure. And um, a storm kind of comes in and the waves rise up and the boat's tossing and turning. And it says the waves were coming into the boat and, um, and it says the disciples were getting afraid. Now, we know these disciples were experienced boatmen. They were experienced fishermen. A lot of them were. And yet they were getting fearful. And where was Jesus? He's asleep in the back of the boat. And maybe you, like me, are thinking, how on earth can Jesus be sleeping through a storm? I think I put, yeah, there's the picture. Through a storm with a boat going up and down. And then he got me thinking about um, my own home. And, you know, I have five children, and often it feels like there's a storm in my home. There's havoc going on. But if you look in my window on a Sunday afternoon, you will see me flat out on the sofa kind of havoc and storm going on all around me and me fast asleep with my eyes open, my, sorry, my, my eyes closed and my mouth open and kind of drool coming down the side of my cheek. Um, it's possible, all right? You can sleep uh, through this stuff. Um, so Jesus was asleep and um, I would imagine these disciples were trying to handle it themselves, but it got to the point where they were so afraid that they decided to wake Jesus up. And Jesus wakes up and immediately he says to the, to the waves, uh, peace be still. And he rebukes uh, the wind. And immediately a calm descends. The wind stops. And at which point he says to them, why are you so afraid? Do you have no faith? What's he saying here? Well, there was obviously danger. There was water coming in the boat. Um, and the boat was nearly capsized. The danger was very real. But he's saying your fear is a choice. You don't have to be afraid. He's telling them they shouldn't have been. And if it was me and maybe you, we would, we would say to Jesus, why am I afraid? Well, there was water coming in the boat. I thought we were going to capsize. I thought we were going under. I thought we were all going to drown. I thought we were all dead. And, and you were asleep, Jesus. You weren't, you weren't there, it felt like. That's why I was afraid. And then you woke up and you spoke to the weather. And then the weather obeyed you. So now, now we're terrified. Now it's the, the, the sea is calm and the storm has gone, but now we're even more afraid than it was before. The scripture says that. It says they were afraid, but it says after we went calm, they were terrified because of Jesus' awesome power. And time and again, through scripture, in the Old Testament, through the Gospels, through the prophets, through Paul's letters, uh, we, we read, do not be afraid. And one of the best antidotes to fear of any situation is learning these scriptures. I've just put a few up here and we're just going to kind of run through them. But, you know, write them down and, and, and learn, these, learn these scriptures. Isaiah says, so do not fear for I am with you. I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In the Psalms, David says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. John, in John's Gospel, this is Jesus, says, peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace. This is the peace that Jesus had that I give to you. I do not give it as the world does. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Again, David in the Psalms, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, 
they comfort me. And then again, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Of whom shall I be afraid? There's no need for the fear. So what can we do when we're filled with fear, when circumstances threaten to to overwhelm us, when the water feels like it's coming in the boat? Well, we can choose, first of all, to not be afraid. And we need to exchange this spirit of fear. We need to exchange it for something else. This fear of circumstances, this fear of people, this fear for the future. We need to put our energies in a different direction. And so that verse that I read to you at the beginning, uh, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, he says, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. And in Matthew 10, Jesus is talking to his followers, to his disciples, and he's saying to them, he's, sending, he's about to send them out into the community to go and do uh, his will, to go and reach people, and to go and spread the gospel, to spread the good news. And he's telling them about all the dangers they're going to face. He's telling them that people are going to turn on you. He's saying that you're going to face spiritual battles. You're going to face hardship. You're going to face tough times. Uh, And then in verse 28, he says this. Don't be bluffed into silence by the threats of bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Save your fear. For God, who holds your entire life, body and soul, in his hands. So on the one hand, we've got this instruction throughout scripture to not be afraid, to not fear. Loads of times. And on the other hand, we've also got many, many times uh, that we should, this instruction to fear God. This kind of fear is a good fear. And we're going to unpack this a little bit because at first it sounds, well, surely that's not, that's not loving uh, to, be, to be fearful. But it's a holy fear and it's a slightly different context. It causes right decisions. It's a fear that stops the other kind of fear in the wrong direction. And just as there are hundreds of scriptures that tell us not to fear, there are lots of references in scripture to the importance of fearing God. We've got uh, Psalms. How joyful are those who fear the Lord. He will bless those who fear the Lord. And in Acts 9 it says the church grew in numbers living in the fear of the Lord. The truth is God doesn't want your circumstances to overwhelm you with fear. He doesn't want that. He wants your fear of circumstances to be overwhelmed by your faith, by your faith in him. So change the direction of your fear. Change the direction and it'll, it'll put things into the right perspective. So what does the fear of God look like? Well, first I'm going to tell you what it's not. It's not about living your Christian life without fun. Okay, it's not about having a serious experience of church. Um, I sometimes felt that that's what it was like when I was growing up and we would go and visit um, a a church, a more traditional church. My grandfather was a strict Baptist minister and we'd sometimes go to his church and these churches were, were, were not fun. They were not fun. They were very, very serious. And I remember as a child just sitting there and nobody smiling, you know, that joy was was so deep, (laughs) so deep, so deep. And I remember once I was sitting with my uh, brothers and sisters uh, on a kind of a hard pew and and a hymn, they were singing a hymn and we were looking at their hymn books and it's a great hymn, it's a hymn that I really like. Uh, It is well with my soul, we sometimes sing those words. But actually in the old traditional hymn, the last verse has a line in it that says uh, something like, hark the trump shall resound. And I remember looking at this, the trump 
shall resound and thinking this was the funniest thing. Obviously, as a child, talking about Trumps is, is funny. As I remember nudging my brother and sister and we're all there, shoulders shaking, trying not to laugh a little bit, of, you know, eyes watering a little bit and my parents are glaring at me and the old people are turning around and looking at us because we're laughing. And you know how it is, the more you shouldn't laugh, the funnier it is and the more you're wanting to laugh. And I got into so much trouble. And I think the minister should just acknowledge that this is a funny verse. (laughs) Everyone has a good laugh and we move on. Okay? That's not the fear of God, all right? Not having fun is not the fear of God. That's just people being too serious. So what is the fear of God then? And how can it help us overcome this spirit of fear that sometimes overwhelms us? Well, the fear of God is, is first of all, it's an acknowledgement of who he is and who we are in comparison. It's acknowledgement of his power, of his lordship, of his kingdom, of his ultimate provision for us and for our families. In Proverbs 4, it says, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure, secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. The fear of God is also about accepting um, his amazing mercy and accepting his grace, uh, which is beyond our understanding. And, uh, and we certainly don't deserve it. And the fear of God helps us to accept it. Okay, in Luke chapter 1, it says, His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. To fear God is also to acknowledge his rule and his judgment. It's deciding that whatever faces us in this life is nothing compared to what God's laid aside for us in eternity. In Proverbs 4, it says, no, sorry, Proverbs 19, it says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it rests satisfied. To fear God is also to, to magnify God, to make God big, bigger, which actually demagnifies, if that's a word, or diminishes the effect of the issues and the circumstances we face. It says, he will be the sure foundation, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. To fear God is to worship him in all circumstances, whatever we're going through. You all remember um, in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas in prison. In fact, uh, they've been... Uh, beaten, they've had their clothes ripped off, they've been publicly beaten, they've been thrown into jail, they've been chained up in the deepest dungeon. It's midnight. They have every reason to be fearful. They have every reason to be afraid. And then at midnight, one of them has an idea. Let's worship, he says. Let's just, let's sing right now. Let's worship. And so they start to worship God. They start to sing. And it says that all the other prisoners were listening to them and all the the guards were listening to them as they began to worship. And we all know what happens. God sends an earthquake and they end up uh, uh, kind of converting the whole jailer and all the jailer's family come to know Jesus. And I heard a preacher once talking about this and he says, when you start to worship, God begins to tap his foot. And when God taps his foot, that's when the earthquake comes. That's when things happen. Okay, so when we have that fear, one of the best things we can do is to bring it to God in worship. And we're going to worship God in a short while. 
To fear God is to put your faith and your trust and your hope in him. I remember waiting for hours and hours, uh, Fru and I, when uh, JJ was, was a baby or a, a young, young child, and he had to go into a guy's hospital and have three lots of open heart surgery. Uh, you know, really serious. He was in hospital for a long time. And while he's in surgery, and these surgery sometimes went on for hours, almost a whole day, and Fru and I are waiting there. And you can imagine how we're feeling. The danger is very real. The danger is very real. Uh, but one of the main lessons that Fru and I learned from that experience was that our faith worked. Our faith worked. Was it a difficult time? Yes, of course it was. Our little son was in hospital undergoing surgery. Some of you know what that's like. Did it fill us with fear? No, it didn't. We exchanged that fear for peace. We exchanged that fear for the peace that comes from God that passes all understanding. It comes from faith in the only thing that is worthy of our faith, the solid rock. Danger is real. Fear is a choice. Are you going to let fear rob you of your life? Are you going to let it rob you of your freedom? Are you going to let fear diminish your life, make it smaller? Band, would you mind coming up? Or are you going to choose to fear God? Choose to not fear and choose to fear God instead. Placing your hope and your faith and your trust and your worship in the God who saves you. Today, I want us all to make that choice. A choice to fear the Lord, to lay down our other fears and to not live a diminished life. At the end of this chapter in 2 Corinthians um, uh, that we've been following, uh, Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. We get to be new. We get to accept this today. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Because God who made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Be reconciled to God. There are two things here. First, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. And a little bit, in a short while, you're going to get an opportunity to do that. And I would recommend that you reconcile yourself to God. Put your fear in the right place. And when you fear God, that's the first thing it should lead to, giving your life over to him. But the second thing is, some of us, or a lot of us here, have already done that. But we live a diminished life because we allow fear to be the controlling factor. Instead of fearing the Lord and letting, and letting uh, his path and his position and the position that he's given us as his own ambassadors uh, uh, kind of inform our lives. We let fear inform our lives. So I would say to you, be reconciled to God in this way. And sometimes we need to come to God and we say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've let fear make me make choices that I shouldn't have made. And I'm not going to do that anymore. I choose to put my fear in you, my faith in you, my worship in you this morning. Choose this day who you will serve, as Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to fear the Lord. We're going to sing that song again right now. We're going to sing, I'm no longer 
a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And I want you to examine yourself. I want you to examine your life and think about those areas where maybe fear has taken a hold of you, has got a stronghold. And we're going to be praying for you in just a short while. So let's stand and sing this together. Thank you, guys. 